0: John Six from The Liquid Conversations, and I am here with who? Lizzie Borden. 11 years.
1: Been 11 years, yes.
0: <laughs> so do, do you look back at 11 years and go, what the hell? I mean, how does that happen? I mean, you hear about people saying you have to have albums out within like a two or three year period you took a decade and then some when people come up to you and say well where have you been what do you say back to him
1: I said been touring the world you know that's what I do I we've been touring all over the place not not so much in North America but everywhere you
0: else. you've never really stopped that's the thing yeah never stopped so here in the States people are like well where's he been
1: right well he's been doing everything that he was supposed to been be playing doing Russia and South Korea and uh, all over Europe and UK and everything so you know That never stopped. In fact, it increased. Okay, so
0: when you look at something like that and you think about how Europe and other countries appreciate metal or the music in general compared to the States, as an artist, how do you, coming from here, going over there, how how does that kind of change how you look at music in general? Like, do you try harder? Do you say, well, I'm gonna cater to that audience instead of my own audience here in the States or?
1: Well, for us, it was um, after the kind of the industry collapsed And we did our last album. It was, um, you know, we pushed it as hard as we could in the States. But a a lot of the young kids got into hip-hop. And it veered off that whole demographic, which would have come to our shows normally. And so we had to... And then we started playing festivals in Europe and found out that it's generational over there. You know, there's three generations of people who love, love the same kind of music. It's
0: granddad, dad, and son coming to the same festival.
1: And they all love it. There's not like a... They didn't... Force this up on these kids. They absolutely love it. Like you know, we toured over there on the last on the last leg across Europe. It was like they were all brand new. We were a brand new band, and there was these were brand new songs instead of they were written before they were born, you know? So when you look at something like that and you see,
0: like you said, multi-generational going to these shows in Europe, why would you come back
1: here? Well, because when we started, it was here, you know? It started in Hollywood and then I we started branching out. My goal was to be, my goal was to be an international band, but we had to be a national act first. And so that when we were selling out in Hollywood, right when it's peaking, and everybody was coming out to Hollywood to be a star, we got in a motorhome and took off and toured the country, and we just kept spinning around the country and trying to weave that uh, that fan base and and you know bring this bring up my songs to everybody else around. So that was a that was one of my goals, and that's all we did for quite a lot of the 80s was just circle the states.
0: You know, it's interesting because when you think about what happened to harder genres or what we thought metal was at that decade, people kind of lost touch and like I think Americans started to become so fickle about what we thought music was and it was like you know we started to change our opinions about things and it was very quick and like oh well this is in fashion now and this is not in fashion Europe is always kind of they stayed with it, yeah. And here's like, so if you wanted to s- kind of survive that, what happened to glam bands coming out of the '80s and the '90s, and grunge took over, and then rap kind of crushed a lot of stuff, especially with you had to go to Europe. You had no other chance to survive unless you went to Europe.
1: That's true. I mean, it was uh, up until right now. I'm starting to see young kids getting into to hard rock again and heavy metal. So it's, uh, but before that, it was very difficult, even for the extreme bands. You know, I had gone to the the, the birth of this extreme movement some of the, the you know they had to band together which they were smart to do and when they did that they were able to draw a certain amount but it wasn't a lot and not compared to what they're doing now did you ever have that point where you're like enough amount of the whole business yeah like when you thought
0: about your your own country kind of turning their back on it, and saying, "Well, we're too fickle about this stuff," and you have to leave the country to actually succeed, a lot of people would have said, "I'm I'm done. I'm out."
1: Well, the the good thing is, I love to travel and p- playing those places was, you know, still is amazing. You know, when you're playing, I mean, we're still playing countries that we've never played before. It's it never stops. You know, <laughs> so it's uh to me, I love it. I, I mean, I it was like, okay, well, I have to wait till North America catches back up. So I'll just go somewhere else. And, and that's what we did. And, okay. And it's been so much fun because I keep chasing that same response that we got in the early eighties or the mid eighties, that same response all actually all the way through the eighties, we got that hysteria, okay. you know, from the crowd. And when the crowd gets older, that hysteria gets lessened. So when you go to Europe, you get that same thing that we got before. So I'm just, I'm chasing that all over the globe and it's, it's, it's a
0: blast. So you've had this opportunity where you were riding the peak here- in the States, you were smart enough to leave while the getting was good. You went to Europe. It's worked out exceptionally well for you. And now you're back when apparently people are paying attention again.
1: Uh, yeah. I mean, you know, we tried to force the issue. We did a couple of tours, but they were spotty at best. It was one of those things where it's like, okay, well, it's too expensive to, to do these things where we're not getting the attention that we need. You know, there was not a lot of promotion. There was not a lot of anything happening. So, it you know, for every tour, you have to rely on so many different uh, mechanisms to coming together to make it work even at the top so uh and those i didn't have a lot of those mechanisms so but yeah i mean i didn't want to uh I don't ever want to have a band in North America. I love it, you know, and I love touring here. It's such a great it's you really want to rich. succeed at home. Yeah,
0: you want to, yeah, yeah. That that you kind don't of, you don't want to be that metal band and say, you know what, we're big in yeah, Japan. Yeah, Exactly. <laughs> but we're not big in New Jersey.
1: But there are a lot of those bands and you know, some bands are bigger in certain territories and I never wanted that. I wanted to be I wanted to be able to tour everywhere. Including North America. And so it's just, um, and now th- that spark is, is coming back. So I'm, my, one of my goals for this album is to do a proper US tour. So uh, I'm working on that right now. So tell me about the new album. Tell me about
0: you doing this thing 11 years later and you're swinging for the fences again here in the States.
1: Well, I mean, it was, uh, I had come off the last tour and we had been putting in some of the usual songs in the back catalog that usually do it but for that last leg I said you know what I'm going to play some songs that, that I don't normally play that are more on the commercial side but you know but, but were hits or whatever back in the 80s so I put those in the set and we went and did that last leg in Europe and the crowd went crazy it was it was a whole different reaction than we were getting with the other set of songs so that made led me to believe what kind of album I needed to make and so with this album i was focused on songs because song, those are the songs that were were doing really well they weren't metal extravaganzas they were songs. you understand that
0: that's a weird thing for somebody that's in metal to say we're focused on songs yeah
1: yeah because most there's not a lot of people say that anymore no, because at all for heavy metal guitar players usually write the music oh just, it's all crushing riffs and
0: everybody wants to get into <laughs> yeah. like you literally it, for a lot of people now people get lost in the whole moment and they're like i don't even care who the singer is. Yeah It doesn't matter I don't don't Uh, have to hear that I just want to get Pummeled to death By whatever's going on Instrumental
1: And most of that The the vocals are an afterthought You know And even if the singer Is kind of got a groove And got something going It's still The vocals come in Last place And you know And so for me I wanted the vocals To come in first place So I wrote A lot of the lyrics first And the the melody lines first And then I wrote The music after And I wanted the music To be an accompaniment To the song And not You know Because that's the way It used to be
0: (laughs) Well okay So so to be fair, you're using old school metal values and modern day mentality about stuff.
1: Yeah. I mean, I, I can't unlearn what I've learned over the years. And I can't, you know, what I see out there, I see it. And and I'm glad not to be, I mean, I'm glad I'm a singer because I don't have to compete with that stuff because most of those guys are not really singers. They're, they're growlers, which is awesome. It's, it actually uh, fits the music perfectly. And my voice does not. So. Well, you mean you don't want to
0: do guttural vocals and stuff like that, where I kind of get lost and think it's Cookie Monster
1: singing? and stuff like that? No, but you know, I appreciate it. Uh, I, there's some bands that I really like that that do that and it's it's awesome but I, my voice is not suited. it's not your thing yeah and the heavier i go the worse it is so uh, i decided let me go back to where i started i started writing songs with, you know american metal and Give them the axe. Those were songs, and they weren't metal metal songs that I sang over the top.
0: Basically, don't screw up whatever you th- knew that worked to begin with.
1: Yeah. When I did the Visualize and the Master of Skies album, I had that same thing. I had amazing shredder players. Right. But I said, you're not going to do that on this album. We're going to write songs, and songs are going to come first. And if we can squeeze a shredding solo in there, maybe we'll put it in. And that's kind of the way. And when I got with Max Norman to do the Visualize record, that was the whole premise. I said, I do not want to showcase musicians. I want to showcase songs. And that was, that was the whole premise behind this record. I did the same thing. I had that same mentality. I'm like, you know, the last record I had Dave Manichetti, I had George Lynch, I had Corey from Trivium, but I felt like I was showcasing musicians I'm, I like, I wrote this song. Can you, can you make it better? You know? And I'm like, can you do all this stuff over here and I'm just
0: going to wait so I can sing.
1: <laughs> yeah. Right. So just, it just felt like I was showcasing musicians and I, and even in my live show that was starting to happen, I'm like, what am I doing? You know, it's songs that are the ones that out can outlive me, not not these uh you know that's that's an interesting point because
0: i mean look i reside in boston so for me it's like you know we have berkeley college of music so we have some of the best guitarists in the world coming out of that school and they're playing coffee shop like they can't get out because there's so many of them doing the same thing they don't have those standouts anymore and that kind of depresses me in general because i'm like well what makes somebody a star what makes somebody uh like you know the person that gets up and commands a crowd what Gets, literally somebody steps up to the microphone and watches people dance because of whatever they're doing.
1: I think you have to go back in history and, and look what someone like Jimi Hendrix did. It, people like Eric Clapton, all these people were in awe of him. And he came out of nowhere because he did something the same only different and that is what you have to do you know there was some
0: it factor about it and everybody now is trying to find that and we're also having enlisting people that are getting paid to create that create the band put all these super talented people together about all this stuff but in general it's not really going to work you have to have at least one person that can kind of command the audience you have to have the one person like they're the orchestrating so you, you understand that like metal has changed that way a lot now it's more about the peripheral stuff it's more about the guys that are playing behind you than the singer himself 30 years ago metal was about the front man
1: yeah and when i i went I, when i started seeing the even the thrash metal scene starting to rise uh like the first time i saw slayer i saw the crowd and they opened up for us on a couple of shows early on but then the, all of a sudden they exploded but the first time I, I was on a balcony i was overlooking and it was like a beehive but the thing i noticed was not one person was watching the band they were beating each other up and it was fun and it was amazing and that energy was crushing but i'm like what am i i can't why do did that. you go there yeah, yeah why I, did you go to i the want show? People to, to, to look at the stage and it worked for them but I knew that I needed to go a completely different direction for so I, I was all a this, singer number one Yeah.
0: all this time later you're you're still going for the same you're still swinging for the same fence
1: yeah because when it when i get that home run it actually it just kills and usually it kills at a festival you know in front of thousands of people and that's where i, I actually shine the best you know that's because I, when i try to squish my show into a club i'm presenting the same show i do in the arena and it's very difficult i try and get that same reaction but and i do usually but the reality is my show works in front of a large group of people because it's just the way I've orchestrated the, the, the set and, gotcha. the, and the
0: show. So kind of last topic that I wanted to talk about with you is as far as how we look at extreme music, the visuals of it. Music has gotten really subject to probably more critical looks than they ever have at this point. Like you can't do a show. You can't say certain things. You can't have the certain type of show because somebody's going to feel unsafe and they're going to post about it on Twitter and it's going to cause a hashtag moment and somebody's going to get upset. You pushed the limits for a long time. How do you approach that now? Well, Cause I, you know, somebody
1: in the crowd in the back is going to be like, nope, nope. Can't deal with that. Nope. I'm out. I think people buy into my show knowing it's a it's fantasy it's not i'm not trying to uh i'm not trying to do what marilyn manson did i'm not trying to shock people i'm actually just creating a scene so it could be that scene could be in a movie nothing nothing what i do is is uh trying to shock anyone i'm just trying to entertain people in the best way that i know how and usually that's like taking a scene out of a movie if i do something in horror which not all my show is horror only right, only exactly. t- small pieces of it are but if i do something that has blood in it or whatever it it's, it could be taken out of a scene from any from a lot of different movies that I watch. So, and I think people buy into it. They know what I'm doing.
0: So, when they buy the ticket, they know where they're going.
1: I think so. I mean, I, I've never tried to shock. I mean, in the early days, of course, it was fun and it was easy. Uh, but when the Vice Squad started raiding our shows and stopping our shows, that's when I realized, okay, I've got to figure something else.
0: So, out. you're not you're not expecting to see the soccer mom coming in with like the brood of kids and stuff like that and going. Oh my God, I am going to, I'm going to tweet about this later and his show is never going to happen ever.
1: Actually, it might help my show. I mean, it, it might help <laughs> want people to come bad to it. press
0: is going to be good press. Yeah.
1: I mean, I, you know, I'm not trying to, uh, be part of any movement or anything like that. Every, everything I do is about entertainment. It's not about trying to make the headline. You know, I, I that's why I ne- I've never been involved in that. I, I just, I just want to be an enter- entertainer.
0: You did what you were enjoying and if somebody else was part of that and then, yeah. Great.
1: And everyone kind of buys into what I do, just like they do with someone like Iron Maiden. Look at their their show is huge right now. Right. But you have to buy into an inflatable plane coming on. You have to buy into all of that. And if you don't, then you're not going to have any fun, number one. And number two, it's like there's, I don't know of anyone that would go to a show and not understand it. Now, Marilyn Manson and a few of the others, different story because they're out trying to make the headlines and they're out trying to shock you. And, but I've never been interested in that. I, I just didn't, I, I, you know, to it's about entertainment so tonight cd release party here at the hard
0: rock cafe las vegas strip any surprises for the crowd that's going to show up tonight (laughs) (laughs) we're both looking across the room right now (laughs) We're looking at somebody uh, represented from Metal Blade Records. Is there going to be any surprises tonight?
1: Well, the fact that it's in Vegas, we wanted to do an old school listening party. You know, the, we had, like, for the Visualize album, we had it in the orchestra room at Capitol Records. And it was one of the, the classic release parties. And everyone had them back then in Hollywood. Even bands from the UK uh, would come to Hollywood and have these expansive, interesting, decked out. Uh,
0: this is going to be sex drugs and rock and roll well
1: place, right? it's just it's just we're we're putting together the effort instead of saying come over and listen to my album we're actually you know we want to make it an old school listening experience so uh, that was that was the whole premise behind having a release party because a lot of people don't even have them anymore so
0: but yeah now, I mean, now it's a you know what, look at my stuff online and i'm going to send out the link so you yeah. can hear two songs out of the album
1: we want it to be physical and people flying in from from different places and uh you know so we in to have it in vegas on this strip is I mean come on it's really cool so I mean, it's, if
0: you're gonna be in you know entertainment city in excess of all towns this is it dude. <laughs> this is it you know so this, yeah. is moder-
1: this is this is LA
0: 20 years later
1: it is it is it's that's why I moved here I've just it's just <laughs> uh it's whatever Hollywood had
0: if Vegas has it and the property's cheaper
1: yeah and it's more fun really I mean it, there's it, there's so much to do here it's crazy I mean every night so having a party here on the strip is just a, a great way to break it in, break the new album in and introduce everybody to you know this is a restart for me you know i wanted to make that restart i wanted to you know completely i'm gonna find a, a new lineup for the for the tour building the whole new show and so uh this is the start of it right now tonight awesome thank you man appreciate it
0: the liquid conversations
1: podcast
0: is brought to you by dirt bag clothing wear it till it stinks.